Malcolm Welcome. The Godfather and Gorney. Uh, weekly podcast. Let's jump into it. No need to, to mess around here. Apparently my microphone sucks, so I'm going to talk really loud. Um, so if I do sound like I'm talking loud, it's because my microphone sucks. Right? We need Blue Oyster like I have or whatever it's, it's called. Not Blue Oyster, it's Snowball. Snowball. You got a Snowball. I got to get Blue Oyster. Isn't that the, that's the bar in... Uh... Police Academy. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's talk decommitments. Because um, there were two big ones this past week, and I think they're indicative of where the programs are at. Billy Bowman decommits from Texas. Uh, Brandon Jennings decommits from Florida State. Let's talk Bowman first. Personally, this was rumored for a while because his girlfriend plays softball at Oklahoma, and Texas fans and, and coaching staff were worried about that. They needed to have a tremendous start to the season. Uh, they did not, obviously, and we'll get to games later. Um, he came up with the top three or final three of uh, – Georgia, LSU, and Oklahoma. Is there any chance he goes anyplace but Oklahoma? Very, very slim. And I think the situation here is obviously the girlfriend playing at Oklahoma. We all know how that's going to play a factor into this. But also, he wants to play wide receiver. At least he wants the, the realistic shot at it. And so where better than to go than Oklahoma for that? Um, it seems like Texas was kind of giving him a little bit of the runaround of whether they would let him do that or if they were really open to it. Maybe if they really press hard now and, and are completely open to that idea, maybe they can get back involved here. But it certainly looks like Oklahoma is going to win here. And that, that just kills Texas even more because Bowman is fantastic. I think he probably has five-star potential as an athlete, very good wide receiver, and he should be perfect in that Oklahoma offense, which is just going to hurt Texas even more because they're kind of reeling right now. Yeah, I thought he was a five-star for a while, um, but size is the only issue, you know, and We've seen smaller defensive backs like Bookie, Bradley Hiles, and uh, Lamont Wade have not really, you know, Levante Taylor have not really panned out as much. So we're a little bit, it's a little trepidation there, but he could play wide receiver as well. He could, you know, he's a return man. He's, he's dynamic in the return game. Um, so we'll see. We're going to re-rank soon and, and we'll see where we stand on him. Um, we should rank the top five most influential girlfriends in Rivals history. That would be fun. Do you have any girlfriend stories? Because I have two. About my girlfriends? Oh, lots. No, 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 no. You've never had girlfriends. You met yeah. your wife, yeah. and you got married. And Corny's romantic life. <laughs> I don't have any good girlfriend stories that I'm willing to share publicly. But well, no, after. I'm not like, she's nothing nothing ridiculous i'm just saying like influential girlfriends like this dude's girlfriend is at this school so you know he's gonna go there none none you're lying so eugene monroe who was a five-star offensive tackle from new jersey yeah. um it, it, and again this may I, I this is what i remember um eddie ended up being a first-round draft pick played in the nfl blah 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 hit on every level. Um, his girlfriend went to Virginia. So oh. I knew that UVA had the edge throughout that recruitment because of that. So that's one. And I, I'm not saying you pick UVA simply because of the girlfriend, but, and I, I don't know if they're still together, if they got married or if they have kids or anything like that. You know, I don't know. Um, but the most famous one is Matthew Stafford's girlfriend at oh. Georgia. But I know there's other girlfriends, right? I know there's sisters. Sisters are big in recruiting. 
Girlfriends are big in recruiting of it, but Matthew Stafford's girlfriend, who I don't know if that's his current wife or not, but was she was in Georgia, and that was a big reason why he went there. And well, that's yeah, look at fine. Yeah, that worked out too. Number one overall pick, five star, lives up to the billing. Great career. He's my backup on my fantasy team. Uh, that's not a bad backup to have, but uh, I know you got girlfriends stories, not real girlfriends. Like I, somebody I, on the West Coast I, had yeah, to pick of my head. If somebody on the West Coast had to pick a school because of a girlfriend. I mean, come on, those guys out there, West Coast kids. What are you I, saying? I'm just saying they're a little flaky sometimes. You know, pick schools for different reasons. Yeah, you can. honestly, I'm drawing a blank. All right. Well, let's just put it this way. Oklahoma's standing in good, in good position here for Billy Bowman, and that hurts. The, not only does it hurt Texas to lose Bowman, but to lose him to Oklahoma, yeah. if that happens, that's just a double kick in the colonies right there. So Brandon Jennings isn't as bad, but it's right up there. I put him number two on my decommitment list for 2021, and both of these just happened in the last week. This was the bell cow of the class. A four-star linebacker, in-state kid, top 50 talent. And he just said, I've seen enough. He's going to consider Florida State still, at least. He grew up a huge Florida State fan. Um, and he just said, I got to open my options because they look so, I, I assume because they look so horrible. Do you think they can get him back? I think it's going to be hard because I don't think they're going to look much better for the rest of the season. Um, they could win some games here and there, but this is not a good looking football team. They, they remain undisciplined. Um, Jaden would be hitting people out, out of bounds. Notre Dame, which doesn't exactly have an offense of complete firepower, um, getting in a back and forth shootout with them, which I think Florida State kind of wanted to see if they could, they could win that way. Um, you know, his dad, Brandon Jennings, dad played at Florida State. His brother was committed there, flipped to Miami. And I, I would imagine that this, it's going to be the same thing. I don't know what Florida State can do from now until signing day to convince Brandon Jennings that they've turned any kind of corner and that they're going to be a national power. So I think Brandon Jennings is probably gone. Yeah, I, I think he wants to go to Florida State. It's just a situation where he go through three or four years of struggling maybe a slight rebuild here, but this is not a team loaded with talent up and down the roster. That's just under underwhelming. They're just not a very good football team. Well, and I think that's really talent. Taggart's issue. And I think Mike Norvell is a much better coach and he's going to be a fine recruiter, but this is going to be a rebuilding process as we've seen so far this season. There's talent. Um, what quarterback is good? What offensive lineman is good? The running backs are okay. The wide receivers are, Decent. All right. Defensively, there's talent. Okay. That's Notre Dame put 42 on them. That's all I got. They're not playing. They don't. They don't care. They're not playing. <clears throat> you know. I mean, they're playing for themselves and not for the team. And and it's just a mess. It's a nightmare. So where does uh, Jennings' girlfriend go to school? <laughs> you know. I don't know. I don't know either. Is she, is she on the Oklahoma softball team? <laughs> I don't even know if he has a girlfriend or not. The only reason I know Billy Bowman has a girlfriend is because it was brought up to me like two months ago. When, you know, like, oh, he's thinking about Oklahoma, his girlfriend. And then she um, she tweeted some emoji when he decommitted. I forget mm. what it was, some sort of cheer, like yay, or something like that. I'm like, oh, this is over. So anyhow, those are two big ones. I mean, Corey Foreman had third, and that was a long, long time ago. 
but that's not even close to these two. You're talking in-state kids. Corey Foreman's a California kid. You know, Clemson losing him hurts. But what, what I found odd on my amazing list, did you read my list? No, I, I missed that one. <sighs> that's going to be reflective in your review. Alabama's on it twice. Texas on it three times. Clemson's on it twice. Hmm. Weird, huh? Ohio State's on it. Who's on for Foreman and who for Clemson? Jordan Hancock. Oh, okay. that's right. Georgia. And his who was because Alabama? Uh, Alabama is Drake May, quarterback, yeah. went to UNC. Oh. And Latrell McCutcheon, cornerback, went to Oklahoma. I know. I'm going based on rankings, like sure. high ranking. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Alabama isn't hurting for defensive backs. They're, you know, I heard they're still in touch with McCutcheon, but not pushing hard. And he's happy with Oklahoma, very happy. And and they replaced Drake May with another decommitment, Jalen Milrow from Texas, uh, who's one of the three that's on their list, Quay Davis being the other one, which they kind of pushed Quay out of the nest, but it's still a decommitment. Um, so Alabama's not hurting. Clemson's not hurting. Ohio State's not hurting. Uh, Texas is hurting very badly. Texas is hurting very badly. And it's interesting because when COVID started and everybody was committing early and we thought that there was going to be a ton of decommitments, I'm not so sure. Um, There's going to be just as many as usual and it's going to be kind of a strange fall and winter and who knows what the early period is going to look like and the late and when people can visit and all that kind of stuff. But it almost feels like when I'm talking to kids, if they're locked in, they're probably going to be locked in. They can't visit other schools right now. They can't right. get the treatment. And so I think it might not be as crazy as we once believed it would be. We can bang. Yeah. Soda. It's for energy. Oh, Remember I said I had to hydrate? That's not hydrating. That's dehydrating. I know, but I found hydrating makes me sleepy. Mm. So I got to hydrate and then bang. And then hydrate, and then bang, and then coffee, then bang, then coffee, then hydrate. It's a whole mess. My whole body, this, I'm throwing stuff at this every day, and it just doesn't know what to do with it. Doesn't know, yeah. It's just like, um, Marius Mims, okay? Now, we're taping this prior to his commitment, I will say that. So if he stuns the world and picks Tennessee, don't call us idiots, or picks Auburn. But it looks like Georgia. It smells like Georgia. It feels like Georgia. It's going to be Georgia. Uh, I, re- I was looking at a um, factor fiction we did a long time ago. Is Marius Mims the best offensive tackle in a decade? And I think you said fact. I did say fact. And then I was like, well, why did I say fact? I think I was basing it on rankings because he's number two. And we've never had anybody higher than that. Like DJ Humphreys was three. Andre Smith was three historically. Um, but now I'm wondering if he's the best offensive tackle in the class. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Because I love JC Latham so much. And, and I think he's, you know, bound for five stars. And the way he's playing at IMG is ridiculous. And he's so incredible. But Mims is incredible, too. So that's going to be an interesting debate. So I'm going to go back to that article, edit it, and say fiction. And then rewrite it so I don't look stupid. How about this? Is Mims the best offensive tackle in Georgia? Because a lot of people feel Terrence Ferguson might be. No, Mims is definitely the best tackle because I think Terrence, Terrence Ferguson is a very, very good football player, an elite player. Uh, and he's going to go to Alabama and play guard. 
Yeah. He's not going to be a tackle because they've got so many tackles coming in. JC Latham is a tackle. Brockermeyer is a tackle. Uh, you know, they've obviously got Leatherwood who's going to be gone after this year. Elam who's going to be gone after next year. But <clears throat> I think he plays guard and I think he plays uh, a very good, you know, uh, has a very good career as a guard. But now Mims is special. He reminds me of Larry Tunsil. I've said that 18,000 times because of yeah. the footwork, the athleticism. Um, you know, I love the way he uses his length and his arms to keep people at bay. He resets well. He will put you on the ground. He's gotten more physical. I remember at the five-star challenge, uh, Braden McGregor. Remember Big Braden? Yeah. Hyped as could be by another site. Comes into our five-star challenge uh, a summer ago. Hyped as can be. Mm -hmm. And we didn't like him as much. I mean, we had him as a four-star way down in the rankings, and everybody hated us because of it. Michigan fans are still upset about it and all that stuff. Comes in. Tries to pass rush on Amarius Mims as a rising sophomore. Puts him on his ass so fast. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah. And that was kind of his coming out party last summer. And now he's just gotten bigger and better and more nasty. So this helps Georgia. Georgia's had some misses this year. Um, you know, you mentioned an offensive line miss already. Uh, you know, James Williams hurt them because they're supposed to get the safety from, from South Florida who went to yeah. Miami, they missed some guys. So this is a big one to keep. And Tennessee made this very, very interesting. He visited there numerous times, but I know you're 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 you've got a tremendously original article on the highest ranked offensive lineman that Georgia's signed uh, in Rivals history. I don't know who started that idea, Rivals. Um, but you know, you've clearly piggybacked on that and stolen it from me. So Tell me what you learned in your research. Well, since I did all of the research, I will uh, tell always. you. Well, as always. Little, listen, I'm Emerald, right? You're you're the sous chef. I, I thought you were going to call me Jada. You make all the crap, right? And then I come in and, and sprinkle a dash of this and a dash of that. And bam, then we have it. Yeah, a but usually Emerald enhances the dish. Oh, I don't enhance the dish. No, no, no. I could. If I served it myself, it would be almost just as just as good. Yeah, but then I would never promote it and you'd get 10 clips. You're more like Barefoot Contessa. Not <laughs> <laughs> Northeastern. Who is that? I want to be Giada. She's cute. So I look anyway, like what, I, what I learned in my research is that Kirby Smart is inc an incredible offensive line recruiter. I mean, out of the 10 top 10 ever from George that, that signed with Georgia or committed there, nine are during the, the Kirby Smart years. And I believe eight are five are five stars. So yeah, even though Kate Mays is down, down to the force, it did. Um, and they're yeah, all recent, can, like you said, you know, like, 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 you know, obviously Kate Mays is playing at Tennessee now, um, you know, but you look at Tate Ratledge, you look at. Roderick Johnson, you look at uh Roderick Jones too. Uh well, who is Roderick Johnson? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of somebody else while I'm doing this. John Theus was pre um pre-Kirby, yeah. Rick. And I, I never agreed with him being a uh five star back in the day. But Clay Webb, Clay Isaiah Webb, Wilson. That's the one I was trying to think of when I said Roderick Johnson. Who is Roderick yeah. Johnson? It sounds sounds like there's a Roderick Johnson somewhere. Like I think he went to Pitt. Maybe. All right. But, but yeah, it's been amazing. 
I mean, yeah, it's and, incredible. And, and, and Sawyer, Jamari Sawyer. Jamari Sawyer. He's finally starting. Finally. Yeah. He's going to be a great one in the NFL. Um, so you look at this offensive line, Cedric Van Pran's not a five-star, but he's a pure center. So right. you got Webb and Van Pran at pure centers. Then you've got your Ratledge, Jones, Mims. Who am I missing? Isaiah Wilson. Yeah, Isaiah Wilson went first round. Yep. There's another one. Andrew Thomas was not a five-star, but he, he no. was pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, the offensive line recruiting there is amazing. This is a big commitment for them in state. If they lost him to the balls, that would open a little bit of a door. I was never a believer. I always thought he was going to Georgia and he was trying to hype up his own recruitment. You want the story, Gorney? Sure. Do you want it? I want it. Because you just talk about how much work you do and what little I do, but you apparently don't know anything about anything. You don't know any girlfriends that influenced kids to go to schools. You can't even name a sister. Same plan. It's like static stuff there. Is this so, working? Here's the deal. Amarius Mims and his family liked both Tennessee and Georgia. Amarius Mims head coach, this is all complete third, fourth hand information. Right. This is everything, right? Right. Uh, got out of the process, said, you know what? This is crazy. You choose where you got to go, do it with your family. His offensive line coach liked Tennessee. So he would go to Tennessee with his O line coach and love Tennessee. He would go to Georgia with his family and love Georgia. So when he set up his visits, Tennessee was the weekend before he wanted to set his last visit to see Georgia play Tennessee at Georgia. You knew it was kind of going to be Georgia, but this was a lot closer than people think. Tennessee made a good push. They had him on campus at least four or five times. Um, and, and by they had him on campus, I mean unofficial, unhosted visits for games and, and, and things like that. Because, you know, obviously we're in a dead period and you can't. So that's the story. So it was closer than closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso would say, but it's still a huge win for Georgia. Do we do we feel like Tennessee's uh, offensive line is vastly overrated after their performance against Georgia this weekend where they had negative one yard rushing? Um, I don't think they're overrated. Well, we're going to find out this weekend, okay? Because that Georgia defense is nasty and they fly. It is. Fly it is. It plays like Alabama played three or four years ago and how Alabama is not playing now, but Georgia's defense is phenomenal. They play, they're, they're, they swarm the ball every play, hit hard, nasty, mean. I love it. I love watching. So let's segue into the games. All right. Oh, very good. Very good job there, Mike. Yeah, because the guy who edits this keeps yelling at me saying we're all over the map. So let's segue into the games. Let's segue into last week's games, and then we'll talk about Georgia-Alabama. All okay. right. Last week, Georgia fell behind at the half, but just imposed their will in the second half on Tennessee. Tennessee was not ready for primetime yet, as we learned about Miami against Clemson. But they're moving in the right direction, and that's positive. Their offensive line has been hyped up for sure. Yeah. You know, Trey Smith is, the, you know, obviously the Uber recruit of the world, number one by everybody but us. He's a very, very good football player. Could be a first rounder. Yes. Darnell Wright was a five star for us. Well, for one of us, not all of us. <laughs> um, he's solid. Wandy Morris, very solid. Five star. Lost his fifth star down to four, but he's solid as well. Kate yes. is just plugged in. 
because he yeah. was just deemed eligible. So the cohesion of the offensive line is extremely important. And in this day and age of the pandemic, you know, we have a pandemic going on, right? Well, uh, yes, people are getting sick. Yes. Right. So it's hard to get that cohesiveness going when you're, you know, limited practice. You can't really, you can't scrimmage like you used to and all this other good stuff. Right. So I don't think they're overrated. I just think we're going to find out this weekend if Georgia's defense is that good because the Alabama offensive line against Ole Miss looked horrible. Yes. Horrible. And Najee Harris did a lot of stuff on his own. And Mac Jones was still, you know, terrific. But Nick Saban is going to, uh, he's going to stop all social distancing rules when it comes to his offensive line. He's going to get in each one of their faces, perhaps with some spittle, coming hmm. through a mask or without a mask, and say, you better step up against Georgia or I'm going to, I don't know, what, what, would, what would be a good Nick Saban threat? Not pull your scholarship, but ruin your life forever. You think that would be that'd be heavy? Evil genius. You think? That would be heavy. So he's going to threaten them. You got Leatherwood and Elam. You got Dickerson, Brown. I forget the other guy. Really good offensive line. So if Georgia does that against Alabama, then I'll believe that Georgia's that elite, and Tennessee's offensive line is not overrated because it happened in Alabama as well. But Georgia looks really good. The defense looks really good. Alabama's defense does not look good. Um, so we might as well delve into that game right now. And then we'll we'll go back to Clemson and uh, and Miami and, and Texas A&M and Florida. So our editor is going to be very pissed at this because we're all over the map. But still, I think Alabama is going to shore up the offensive line. I think they're going to correct a lot of their defensive mistakes. I think it's going to be a pounded football game and the difference making is going to be done by the receivers and Mac Jones is going to get the ball out of his hands very quickly and he's going to let Waddle and Monte Smith do their thing on short passes. I have Alabama winning. What about you? The winning is not important. The covering six points. Alabama's favorite by six? Yep. I agree. Um <sighs> Yeah, they're going to cover. Alabama's going to cover. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be one of those games where it's going to be like, this should be the this should be the assistant coach who breaks through and beats Nick Saban. First time ever, right? Yeah. Kirby's ready. Every time Kirby's ready, you, you know, you hear that sad horn sound, like, wah, wah, Or he fakes a punt with Justin Fields or something. I just think that this is going to come down to Nick Saban versus Kirby Smart. And 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 Alabama's going to win by two touchdowns. Or I by- think this is going to come down to not trying to pound it right at Georgia. I think this is going to be Mac Jones, short passes, let Waddle run, let Smith run, get them out and stretch the field. I don't think they're going to win up the middle. I think they're going to win sideline to sideline. Just then, just when you think they're going to ditch it off short to Smith, there's Waddle breaking open free. And I think Alabama's defense probably didn't care too much about Ole Miss and is going to give Stetson Bennett problems. I, I like this Georgia team. I think that they should be in the playoff at the end of the season because they're probably the third best team in the country, maybe fourth after Clemson and Ohio State. But I still think Alabama wins this game and covers. They could be down 17-7 in the second quarter, win the game 31-21, something like that. I still do say that this is the worst Alabama defensive line that we've seen in about seven, eight years. 
Yeah, and their secondary has a lot of young players, too. They were just getting torched by Ole Miss. But that seems to be sort of a trend. And Lane had them ready. Lane had Ole Miss ready. But when you score 63 and you don't cover and you don't even come close to covering, it's not good. Well, and also you need to harass the passer. Yes. They were not able to do that. And, and, you know, people say, well, yeah, this is a weak defensive line. Well, they lost a few guys. Uh, Anoma was a five-star freak. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then Alfano should be playing and starting right now and dominating for Alabama, but he's got yeah. off field issues and he's in Colorado now. So there, there's two big recruiting misses um, yep. on the defensive line. So you got LeBron Ray and some other guys, Mathis, but they're just not getting that pressure. So I think the secondary for Georgia is very good. LeCount, Stokes, the whole group is, is excellent. So that's going to be interesting. But but like you said, I, ju- I just think they're going to game plan better and they're going to be ready for the Georgia defense more than people expect. So I've got Georgia winning that. Um, Alabama winning it. I mean, Alabama winning it. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about too many more games this upcoming weekend because that's – I mean, there's not Point. a lot. Okay. I mean, there is, but there isn't. Florida LSU. Yeah, that's who cares. First of all, it's going to be canceled. Right? Yeah, I know. And secondly, they both lost. And let's yeah. talk about that. LSU losing to Missouri. They're an embarrassment. Both Bellini's an embarrassment. That defense is an embarrassment. They're yes. an embarrassment. Yes. He is Ed Orgeron, Gus Malzahn. It, is Brady the guy who carried him? Is, is, is Aranda the guy who carried him to a national championship? Like Gus I did. Good, I think it's a good question. And this is an LSU defense that had to change pretty much everybody except Stingley. Um, so I'm going to give them a slight pass. But whatever Bo Pelini is doing is not working. And it's and they look foolish at times against Missouri. The, the guy, no one defending the receiver deep at all on that play. Missouri moving the ball up and down the field. And I give Drinkwitz a lot of credit because I think he's probably one of the better young coaches in the country. But come on, this is, this is LSU, Missouri. LSU tried to manage the game early. Then they got caught up in a game where they had to go up and down the field and score. Um, I don't think so. I'm still going to give Ed Orgeron credit. Obviously, Joe Brady. I mean, when you have Joe Burrow, you, you know, any coach is going to look like a genius. You now have Miles Brennan, who's who's fine. Um, He's not going to play this weekend. Problem. The offense really isn't the problem. Brennan's after, out. Huh? Brennan's out. Yeah, Brennan's out. So we're going to see. I, I think LSU Florida gets either pushed or canceled. We'll see. Yeah. Um, the Florida COVID outbreak, two coaches have it now, 19 players, I believe, right now. They're talking about wanting to play and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure Florida wants to play now, especially with Miles Brennan out. But um, I'm going to give Ed Orgeron more credit than a lot of people have over the years. And I'm going to say this is a Bo Pelini problem, not an Ed Orgeron problem. All right. Um, Clemson, Miami. Yes. You know, I, 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 I predicted a Clemson win. I, I was hoping for a close game, but I figured it would be a blowout. It was a blowout. They dominated from every aspect of the football game. The difference in talent in the ACC between Clemson and the next best team is still unbelievable. We saw Notre Dame kind of struggle with Florida State. Yeah. They have some defensive problems. They don't have a dime passing game. They're not going to give Clemson trouble. UNC has a tremendous offense. Their defense is all over the map. They're not going to give Clemson any trouble. So Clemson kind of just won the ACC uh, in that game. And 
we're barely into the season. Was there anything that surprised you? Well, I mean, other than the stupid field goal attempt at the half. Yeah, that was dumb. I thought, I didn't think Miami was going to win the game. I thought they were going to show up and compete better, but Clemson, I mean, they won the game 42, 17. It could have been 142 to 17. Really? Yeah. Frank Ladson dropped a wide open touchdown pass. Yeah. I mean, on and on and on. There were just, no, not, I didn't even play, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. um, yeah, I, I just think Clemson is one of the best two or three teams in the country, maybe the best team in the country. I still want to see Ohio state out there, but, um, you know, you, you're not going to bet against Trevor Lawrence. You're not going to bet against Travis ATN. That might be the best quarterback running back duo. Well, since last year when Burrow and Edwards Hilaire were there, but, uh, in the ACC, maybe decade at, at, at least incredible. You remember the ACC for quarterbacks for a long time was bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then you had, you know, some guys at Florida state breakthrough. Um, you know, NC State's produced some pros. But there was a while there that the ACC was not good at quarterback. So I'm trying to think of a better combination. There's not. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is better than any quarterback in the ACC history, period. And Travis Etienne is arguably, it's either him or Najee Harris is the best running back in college football. So there, there's there's no point even wasting time on that. Let's Let's jump to Sam Pittman. And getting absolutely screwed by the refs with the Bo Nix backwards, like fumble, and and how bad Auburn is. I mean, or or is Arkansas good? Ar- Arkansas no, no, Arkansas is not very good. Um, Arkansas is fine. They beat Mississippi State, which we now know not at all good. <laughs> I mean, strangely bad against Kentucky. Terrible decision-making the whole way, but Arkansas, let's go to Arkansas. I'm going to give Sam Pittman a lot of credit. He's done a tremendous job immediately turning around that program. It helps when you have Felipe Franks at quarterback. Those receivers are a year older, but in that game, Rakeem Boyd didn't play and they were still, you know, right there. Now the Knicks, the Knicks thing, when you pick up a fumble, then you turn around, no matter what you do, and throw it into the ground, that's a fumble. Whenever in the history of college football have you seen a fumble blown dead immediately because no one picked up the ball? No, they let them scrum. They let them go pick it up. If it's a fumble and no one whistles it dead, someone picks it up and they're confused and then they run with it. The explanation from the SEC doesn't hold any water because like three seconds later, the ball was picked up. So I think the, I think the refs blew it. It was a dumb call. They couldn't get around it. Arkansas should have won the game. They completely got screwed. Well, they were ready to blow the whistle because they thought he was going to spike it. Yeah. So when he when he when he fumbled and then spiked it, they blew the whistle immediately, just like a reflex. And so there's no there's no apparent you know uh, clear recovery of the football, which is all crap. Sam Pittman should be two and one right now. Do you, you know how, you know how heartbreaking it is to lose a game like that? I mean, yeah. Sam Pittman deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing at Arkansas. Auburn is 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 Auburning again. I guess that's through the new Clemson. Remember Clemson here? They did the pooch punt again that I can't stand. It looks like a high school football team. Well, Gus did come from the high school ranks. I, I just can't stand. 
I'm just going to say this. I can't stand the sugar huddle, the hurry up snap, the the pooch punt from Bo Nix. Just play football like a professional football team, please. And, you know, five guys in motion at once. And then Bo Nix throws an incomplete pass that went backward. You know, it's just like, come on, just play football. Yeah, they did, they did not look good. Um, no. And Arkansas, I just yeah. wanted to put that in there because Arkansas got robbed so much. And, uh, yes, they did. you know, for them to be two and one at this point with two SEC victories would be amazing. Be a great yeah. story. They should be that, but they got robbed and the SEC officials screwed it up again. Um, last game I want to talk about my Heisman campaign for Kellen Mons continues. Hmm. Um, he's in the others category for most people. Heisman watch, but I mean, that was a five-star slinging passes against Florida, right? No, it wasn't. I mean, he had, he's had one good game pretty much in his entire career. Struggled a lot in his career. He's put up numbers because he's played forever. Absolutely blasphemous. But here's the question, Mike. Is Kyle Trask out of a loss? Played good against Clemson and a loss? The man steps up. Every fifth week, that's a five-star. What was your question? Uh, is Kyle Trask out of it now? No, nah, not out of it, but close. Yeah. I mean, that was a bad loss. Their defense looks horrible. They really need to change some things. Their secondary is awful. If they want to be FB, I mean, uh, if they want to be a DBU. And so here's a question for you. This is why you get paid the big bucks. Alabama's defense has looked horrible. LSU's defense has looked despicable. Florida's defense has looked bad. Why have they looked bad, but Georgia has looked great? Well, you mean the Georgia no-name defense? Yes. With all those five and four stars? Yes, the no-namers. And it's coaching. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you could say what you want about Todd Grantham at Florida, but he's been everywhere. And there's kind of a reason for that, I guess. Yeah. You know? yeah. Those guys who float around, you, you worry about. There's not the level of roster talent near the level of roster talent on defense in Florida than there is in Georgia. Alabama is interesting. They have a new defensive coordinator, and I still can't remember his name. Pete Golding. Good job. I looked at his resume, and I thought I was looking at mine because it had schools I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, Schools that I didn't even think existed like Delta State or whatever. I thought that was like an animal house sorority. Um, <laughs> I think it might be. So I can't explain to you. I can explain to you, LSU. They lost everybody. Alabama, uh, again, they've got some problems on the defensive line that's not creating pressure, which is putting stress on a young secondary. And Florida, I just don't think they have the talent back there to, to really stop anybody. Um, yeah. But Georgia, they're coached up. And they got a ton of talent. I mean, every kid's a four or five star. You look at it. I mean, and they're, they're supposed no-name guys, as Chris Fowler said, who I love Chris Fowler, and I know he won't listen to this because nobody does. But that was ridiculous. I mean, these guys are like, in our world, big-time football players and heavily recruited guys. So I think their depth is there, too, because they keep rolling guys out. You know? Yeah, yeah. You sub in. Uh, it's kind of like Clemson a few years ago in the defensive line. You just sub in. And you're yeah. getting pressure. Um, and, and, and no no loss in what you're getting either. No. They're just... And you have experience too. I mean, the young kids that played last year, 
Nolan Smith are growing up, and then you've got experience of guys like LeCount and Stokes in the secondary yeah. and lead this team. So I think that's why. But, you know, Georgia played at Auburn, and their offense doesn't look so great. And they played Tennessee, who's had offensive problems forever. So let's see how they do against an offensive team. Like right. No, you're right. Which we've already gone over the Alabama-Georgia game, so we don't need to do that anymore. Uh, but Kellen Mond is being mentioned in the Heisman talk after that game. And then next week, he'll break our hearts again. Break my heart. You guys don't care. You guys love it. You guys absolutely love his complete like inconsistency, and he's just so maddening. No, I, he's maddening because one, he's the, like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So I cheer for him. I cheer for people like that. You don't meet many people like that in this world, Mike. But he will throw a pass that you're like, oh my God, that was the most beautiful ball ever. And then for two weeks, he'll get sacked and wait too long and then throw it out of bounds when someone's wide open and someone streaks deep and he throws it into the out of the end zone. It's just, he's just frustrating to watch. He's not, he's not going to win the Heisman. Like, come on, let's be real. This is a, this is a tremendous senility story for me, right? Cause I'm getting up there. You know, I got a foot in the grave, maybe half a leg. Yeah. Under Armour a couple of years ago. What, what was this like? Must've been three years ago. Kellen Mond was down there. Remember the year we couldn't get our, our valet. The when he, the year he was playing. Yeah. Oh, it's got to be at least four or five then. You were there, right? Yeah, when we couldn't get our car from the hotel, so we had to leave. Three hours to get our car from the valet. I mean, literally three hours. Literally three hours. So, well, I'm at the Future 50, right? And I'm I'm checking out the the next wave of superstars, blah, 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 blah. And some kid comes up to me. He said, hey, Mr. Farrell, how you doing? I said, hey. And as usual, I don't know who anybody is, right? People come up to me all the time. You've seen it. And I just look at you like, who is this? Yeah, who are you? It could be like freaking Lawrence Taylor. Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything. I'm clueless. I go, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, not much. What do you think? What do you think about the week down here? And I'm like, okay, this is a future 50 kid who's injured and can't play. I go, uh... Oh, good. How are you enjoying it? Um, why aren't you Why aren't you out there playing? He goes, uh, I have been all week. I said, oh, who are you again? I'm killing mine. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. Who <laughs> definitely has a distinctive look. He doesn't like blend in. Like Kellen Mond looks like Kellen Mond. Who you know? I talked to the day before, who I talked to his father numerous times that week, who I yeah. had pushed to be a five star. <laughs> and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I am horrible with faces and, 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 and memory. So Kellen Mond, I think, unfollowed me after that, or I, I don't know what happened. Mm. Like everybody does, because I'm yeah. an idiot. Yeah. But, but I still love him. Kellen, if you're watching this on the 0.1% chance that anybody is, I apologize to you. Follow me back. Your Heisman campaign is in my hands. You know what the best thing about watching a Texas A&M football game is? What? Jimbo Fisher on the sideline looks like a professor, like a math professor or something. His glasses are on the tip of his nose. He hasn't shaved in like a week and a half. He's got a, literally a, like a spiral notebook that you buy at Walmart for a dollar 
He's got like 42 papers. You know, it's just, uh, you know, you watch an NFL, I'm just going to say this. You watch an NFL game. These guys have a card. They don't look up. They don't scream and yell. They don't need to get back coach. Why is that? I, I, I want to know why. I, I want to know like the dynamics about this. Why is it that every play isn't the last play of the world? You move forward. No, in the no, no, it is. Every time the quarterback comes over to the sideline, he screams at them. <clears throat> he has forever. Every time. Every time. He might have just thrown a touchdown pass. He's coming yeah. over yeah. and they're going for two. And he'll be in his face saying, what the hell did you do? That was a dime. There's a touchdown. What are you doing? It's hilarious. I absolutely love it. That's yeah. the way he coaches. He put guys in the first round doing it. So let Jimbo do Jimbo. <clears throat> I just think his eyes are kind of wide, right? Right. So he needs the glasses lower for like a. Right. Because okay. his eyes are far apart. There's more of a bridge. So the glasses, it's, he's got to gotta fix the look. That's it. But I love the yelling. So let's, let's finish up and talk about Dan Mullen. Okay. okay. Dan Mullen, because it's a pretty good segue, because they were at Kyle Field and they lost to Texas A&M. And Dan Mullen comes out and said, wow, I, we, bet, we better pack 88,000 into, you know, uh, into the swamp. You know, the crowd was a huge difference, even though it wasn't a full capacity crowd. And, you know, it was loud, though. You could tell it was loud. Yeah, but, un, you know, unfair. Unfair advantage. We need 88,000. And the governor had already said full capacity, because the governor is like, He's like, um, I guess he's like Mayor West on The Simpsons. You know, he seems to be that type of guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, then they get back and they got 19 players tested positive for COVID, three coaches. And, and now he's getting hammered. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm not a proponent of full stadiums right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I did give Dennis Dodd a little bit of trouble today because he was talking about no full stadiums in 2021. And I'm like, why you got to do that? Right. And then he, he, he DM'd me and said, you know, listen, it's an article I have to write COVID's a thing. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, it just depresses me. I don't want to think about 2021 being like this year. Okay. So I don't believe full stadiums are, are what we need right now, but and I don't think Dan Mullen should be crucified for saying he wants a full capacity stadium after a loss. What I don't think he should do is ever mention the crowd when you lose. You lost because your defense stinks. Yeah. You didn't lose because <clears throat> they were doing 12th man chance, right? Yeah, this isn't the first time Florida has played in front of a half-filled stadium hostile crowd. You know, it's right. not exactly that's the problem. No. So Mullen's getting roasted. Yeah. Roasted. I don't think he deserves to be roasted, but he's got to be careful what he says when it comes to excuses for losing a game. And that was just, it just didn't look good. The excuse is weak. I will say that. But you also have to think, how did his players get sick? Was it because people were yelling from the stands down onto the field? They say at LSU at night games, the field smells like whiskey. Yeah. Because so many people have had so many adult beverages leading up to the game yeah. that there is such an odor onto the field that it smells like that. Now, that could have been it. The second question is, Mike, this is what the one I want you to answer. Right. If the experts, as Dennis Dodd pointed out today, said that we're not going to play football in 2021 with fans in the stadiums. Tell Ron DeSantis or the Governor DeSantis in Florida 
to not have people in his stadiums, that's, that's the law. That's the rule. What Mullen was saying was, now the experts are telling DeSantis, it's perfectly fine to have people in your stadiums. So why do we listen to the experts when no fans can come in? But when the experts say it's okay for them to come in, we say, wait a second, we shouldn't have this. This is too dangerous. Maybe because we're being uh, scared into something that isn't really as serious a problem as what's going on. Be careful in of media. your words. Be careful of your words. I'm, I'm being careful. I'm just saying, why do we not listen to the experts when they say it's okay to do something? But when they say it's not okay to do something, we say, well, we have to listen to the experts. Well, first of all, I'm going to ask you a question after I respond. And I'm going to give you the answer. And the answer okay. to that is there's an orange face man in Washington. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the answer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Has a college football player who tested for COVID been hospitalized, to your knowledge? To my knowledge, no. The only one that died was the Division Three player from California University of Pennsylvania, Correct. who was well over 300 pounds, and the football team wasn't playing at the time. And I think he had secondary conditions, right? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Yes. But I'm talking at the Power Five level. We've got all these kids testing positive, being quarantined from back in, what, June? Yeah. Uh, when, when, when kids came back on campus and stuff. And nobody's been hospitalized. So, no. But, but I'm still not saying pack 88,000 into the swamp. I'm not saying no. that. Dan Mullen did it because he's like upset because he lost. And yes. the crowd was a factor in his mind. But now he's, you know, he's getting roasted for it and shouldn't be because he didn't know he had. I have a Gators friend, right? I have a few people who are Gators fans. And, I said, oh, 19 tests, 19 positives and three coaches. And the response was immediately, we got it from Texas. Blamed the state of Texas. Well, I mean, it is an interesting, I, I, that's the issue. And that's where the contract, contact tracing should come in of how was this? Did someone leave the team hotel? Was something in the team hotel a problem? Was something on the plane a problem? There's just no way that you're going to be able to find out where the origin of this was. Um, and, and I don't think anybody is saying 88,000 in the swamp is the best thing. I think Dan Mullen was super mad that basically Texas A&M filled their stadium. And if not, they were in the lower bowl screaming on his sideline. I get it. I get that. He was super mad after a game. Um, and so I don't think anybody's saying that, but I think it's also pretty irresponsible to say that the experts, and I don't know who he cited in that story are saying more than a year from now, you're not going to have full stadiums. Right. Um, when the experts six months ago said masks weren't important, now they're super important. It wasn't airborne, now it is airborne. Uh, you can't stand in an elevator alone. You can't take a bike ride outside without a mask on. Uh, the governor of California is listening to the experts saying when you're eating outside with your own family, you have to wear a mask in between bites. Right. So I don't think listening to... the Experts now are just guessing. There were people that were saying linemen are more at risk for getting COVID because they're standing next to each other. So uh, I just think we need to take this day by day and not react and, and say the experts are saying a year from now, people aren't going to be in football stadiums. Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, and listen, wear a mask, social distance. I'm all for that. Absolutely. Me too. Here in Connecticut, 
I have to go into a place, I have to wear a mask. No right. problem. Pop it on, go in. I have no issue. But, <clears throat> you know, we almost canceled college football because of it. And, oh, absolutely. You know, and who does that better serve? Does it better that? serve for kids to be at home, living with people who are going right. in and out of the house, going right. to work, going wherever they're going, who God knows who? And I, I was talking to some high school football coaches out here, and they said, my kids are not just going to stay home and do nothing if we don't have practice or we don't have seven on seven. They're just going to congregate by themselves and then never be tested and never be seen. So a lot of reactionary people. And look, I, I know it's a stressful time with a lot of things going on. I am just not someone who believes that the best, the best way to serve people is to not have them outdoors exercising. Yeah. So we need to adjust and not shut down. And, and we need to yes. stop talking about 2021 college football and talking yes. about 2020 and be yes. very, very happy that we have college football because I'll tell you what, there were some exciting games last weekend that we would have never seen because they would have never played in the spring. So let's rejoice in our college footballness. And I said on Twitter today, I prefer to keep my head in the sand and be in denial. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and start you know, looking lampposts or, or sure, no, masks. No. But and it isn't just a question of college football, Mike. It's a question of all the revenue that that sport brings in for all the other sports in the entire university. Yeah, I just don't want to think about it. Just I want to focus on my job and my, and, and football and 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 my four and one fantasy team. And four and one, nice. Yeah. So, anyways, before we wrap up, we always got to talk. No, we can't talk about. Well, we can talk about ninety day. And then I want to do something I did at the end of our my podcast with Woody, which didn't record, so he couldn't see on video. I'm going to do the uh, Mike Farrell collectible of the week, so you can see some of my toys. Is that exciting? God, I hope this isn't recording. <laughs> it's recording. So 90 Day Fiance. Yes. The the the, the what, what's it called? The reunion show or whatever. Yeah, it's like the yeah the worst thing on television. Yeah, it is. unwatchable, horrible. I watched every minute of it, but it's unwatchable and horrible. Um, there are good, good drinking games. Uh, every time Larissa puts double E's on the end of something, drink. Colty. Colty. Uh, everything, not just Colty, yeah. just like by E. Yeah. E. Walkie. She's, yeah. uh, she's get, get rid of her. Um, Angela, when she says, I'm done, drink. Oh my God! You'd be on the floor in the first half hour. She seems to be just a just a horrible person. Well, she's certainly reactionary, and she just threatens Michael. And I've said this before. It can't be that bad there. I mean, there's got to be other women. No, no, no. It's, it's got to be bad, Michael. We'll For him to go through this is not. It's just not humane. He's, he's going to put up with anything. He's giving up his chance to have a child. To get out of there you know who's gonna tote uh, the baby though yeah but i mean so is there any couple you're rooting for i am rooting for andre you are then elizabeth just because he gets so poorly treated from her family yeah that you know he's you have to say come on man it, he's just a, he's a jerk though he, he is he is i guess the moldovan way i guess is like his culture is to be very direct I love, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of Polish Russian, and that's kind of how my family is too. But, um, you know, I'm not rooting for anybody. I want them all to fail. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm not really, 
but I don't want spinoffs. I don't want the family Chantel, you know, coming out of this group because that's the, that's the, that's horrible. Darcy and Stacy. And now the, the, the penguin looking dude's going to get his own show. Oh my God. With the hair plugs. Speaking of hair plugs, it took him 12 hours to get those done. He had to sit there. Hours? Yeah, they had to plant each follicle of hair into his head. It took him 12 hours. Would you ever do that? Wouldn't you just throw a hat on? Yeah, I would just, if I were going bald. Um, no. Uh, let's say. Uh, no, no, you're good. Yeah, no, I'm good. Receding. A little receding. Well, it was, uh, my hairline is, no, that's receding. My hairline was always like that. Well, when I get that, that's receding. I mean, they I say it's your father's mother. I mean, your mother's father. I don't know who he was. Oh, okay. Everybody died early, so I don't care. What were we saying? Something about hair follicles? No. No, what I would do, my look, if I was going bald, I would shave my head like Bruce Willis, kind of stubbly. I can't. I've got dents in my head mm. from a few young injuries. I have like a huge dent in my head. I was at I was in college. I was drunk. I jumped down a flight of stairs because I thought I was cool. This was when I was like 20. Yeah. I hit the concrete overhang. Ooh. On my head. Blood everywhere. Um, then I ended up leaving the hat I had on for like three days to see if I could allow the wound to close on its own. Right. That's smart. Yeah. And congeal. And then, and then when I took the hat off, uh, it did. I didn't need stitches. Pretty disgusting of me. I was I was three days in a hat without washing my hair with just blood everywhere. But and a brain bleed. Yeah. So I have dents, so I can't do the ball thing. But um, no, you wear hats all the time anyway. Yeah. Who cares? Listen, if if someone's interested in me for my looks, they got a problem. They got yeah, a they do have a problem. Right? Yeah. It's yes. my toys that are the key. So let's pull out this one because I really wanted to show this and, and it didn't record. Who's that? I can't. Ray Lewis. Yeah, it is. Who's that? Ray Lewis. Okay. And this right here. Signed by not only Ray Lewis, but Ed Reed. So Miami fans, if you think I hate you, I don't. Mike, that? That's nice, right? Pretty? Mike, come on. You don't like helmets? No. Dude, I'm a helmet. What is the gray helmet behind you? That is the USFL, uh, USFL Birmingham Bulls signed by Donald J. Trump. Mike Rogier. Mike Rogier, nice. The great former Nebraska running back. Yeah, that's an old one. That doesn't it's even have really old. The air pockets up top. Super old. It's cool. You're getting ahead of yourself, though. Only one at a time. Only one a week. Let's not ruin it for everybody. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. I see a lot of toys there. So that's like a lot of weeks coming. You should see this wall. The wall you can't see. That's trouble. Um, but if you like uh, sports collectibles, I'm your guy. Hit me up at Rivals Mike. If you like scrolling through Twitter all day, 
24 hours a day constantly. Adam <laughs> Gordy's your guy. What are you at, Adam Gordy? Yes. Follow us on Twitter. Um, go to our Rivals YouTube channel and hit like or subscribe. Uh, we'll be on there. Um, follow my Instagram, Rivals Godfather. You don't do Insta. No, and I know it's, I, I should be, but uh, I could only do one social media platform in my life. I can only take Twitter. <laughs>